Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Jimmy, thanks for the songs. Jimmy called yesterday and said, you know, what's my topic? And when I told him, his silence on the phone. There's not a whole lot of topics, or not a whole lot of songs that have to do with our topic today, but Jim, I think you did good picking the ones you did, talking about love and, and the church and so forth. Good to see everyone here this morning. Reminder tonight for those who are coming to the fellowship, we had the handout last time to read the two little articles, and we're going to discuss those. So if you lost yours or you know what I'm talking about, talk to me on the way out, please. So 1 plus 1 equals 1. And we all know that doesn't add up unless we're using God's math, right? God has his own, own math, his own language, and does many things his own way. God's thoughts are above our thoughts, and his ways are above our ways. If you haven't detected it already from the scripture and from the thought, it's, we're talking about marriage this morning, husbands and wives. And the two shall become one flesh. One plus one equals one. Does not God have a sense of humor? And we're going to have a chance to chuckle later. I hope we do. Anyway, we are discussing marriage, putting two people together in the same life, in the same place, at the same time, who have some very different ideas about what life is to look like and how it's to be achieved and accomplished. He does provide us instruction on how to work our way through all of that. And as I was thinking about this, I, I'm, I'm really seeing that marriage is actually one of the greatest tests in life. Is it not? It's one of the greatest tests in life to see how you will love your spouse. Can you do it? How you can make the adjustments the sacrifices, and do what needs to be done to cause your marriage to grow and to flourish. I think on God's part, it's pure genius. He, he gives us this passion, this desire to love, and we see someone we love, and we want to be with them, and, and everything that goes into that, but then when he puts us together, it's like, How's this going to work? How's this going to fit? Because we have to make adjustments to do that. So it kind of forces, force fits us, two people, into the same shoe. And we know that that is difficult to do. So we want to take a look at marriage this morning. First, we're going to go to Ephesians 5. We're going to read that. We're going to take a little bit a look at the husband's responsibility in regard to that, and then the wife's responsibility. And then we're going to look at some challenges there, which I know that all of us who are married, have been married, have uh, faced. 
and even those of you who are younger and might be anticipating marriage, even if it's 20 years from now, please pay attention to what, uh, what we want to talk about. So from Ephesians 5, let's start with verse 22, okay? Uh, some great things here, some in-depth things that Paul is trying to show us where uh, the model for marriage and uh, the model for the husband and the wife. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Well, the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Let's take a look at the husband first, and we're going to look at the husband first by looking at Christ first. Because Jesus, or Christ, is the head of the church. He has authority over the church. But it's much more than that, as we can see from the reading. He has accepted the responsibility for the well-being of the church. Because he loves the church. He loves his people. And he wants to see them prosper and do well. He takes the church exclusively for his own. Okay, there's only one church, isn't there? There's only one. And that's the one that belongs to Christ. He gave himself for her in his death. And he understood, even as Don so well spoke here at the table, that this was the only way for his people to be cleansed, to be free of sin, so they could enjoy life eternal. He is the one that did it. He knew he was the one that had to do it. He's the only one that could do it. And so he came here and gave his life so that we might live. He helps the church grow spiritually. We see there the word nourish. Nourish. On a regular basis, Christ feeds the church. He feeds us through his word. He feeds us through answered prayer. He feeds us through the encouragement of others in the body. All right? He wants us all to grow spiritually. We're supposed to be growing and maturing as Christians. That's a healthy church. That's a healthy Christian when that happens. And Christ does that. He nourishes the church. 
And lastly, he continually affirmed, when I say lastly, it's the only point we're going to, last point we're going to look at here. There's more here, but we're going to be trying to cram a lot in this lesson. I hope I can get it all in. He affirms his love for the church. It says he cherishes it, okay? Through his word, we read the word of God, and we see time and time again that Christ loves the church. He gave himself for the church and so forth and so on. It's in there. And this is, again, a reason why we say we need to be living in the Word of God, to have it instruct us, to encourage us, to build us up in the faith constantly. And then, again, through his actions, through his blessing us on a regular basis, through his answering prayer and all the, all the goodness that we have from day to day, we need to see these as blessings from Christ, blessings from the Father, to show that he does care about us. He's constantly taking care of us all the time. So that's a quick glimpse and look there at what Christ has done and continues to do for the church, his people, and that's us. Now the husband, as Paul says, is head of his wife, as Christ is head of the church, okay? So the, the husband has the same responsibilities toward his wife as Christ has shown toward the church. The husband has been made the head of the church. I'm sorry, the husband has been made the head of the wife, just like Christ is head of the church. But you see, I think you can already see this is much more than just about authority. Too many people make this about authority. Who has the right? Who has the power? But it is the reading shows the reference to authority isn't really emphasized, is it? The, re the reference, the emphasis is about love. It's about cherishing. It's about nourishing. It's about watching over and caring for. That's the way the leadership or the headship of Christ is shown to the church. The husband is to accept responsibility for the well-being of, of his wife because he loves her, not simply because he has been given authority over her, just as the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So all of us who are husbands or potential husbands, we need to take this to heart and see what the model is, what Christ has done for the church and does, and this is the way we are to be toward our wives. As we were studying this, I was studying this out, and Shirley and I just read this recently together, and she made the great comment, observation, this is a tremendous weight of responsibility for the husband. And it truly is. To love your wife like Christ loved the church. That's a great way to responsibility. We have to try to live up to that. We don't all do it right. We don't do it right all the time. But that's the goal and that's the model. That's the call. So, taking those four points we just saw about Christ, let's look at us as husbands. The husband takes his wife exclusively as his own 
and his one and only, one wife. He's the only one he loves, the only one he cherishes, the only one he cares about. Guys, when you get married, hunting season is over. You've traded in your hunting license for a marriage license. That includes porn sites, dating sites, and any other women you want to look at out there. Social media is over. You have one wife to love. And believe me, you have a lifetime to do that. And it takes all your effort to do it the right way. Believe me, it does. So, one and only, you have one wife, she's the one you're to focus on and love. Secondly, husbands, you give yourself for her body and soul. Christ died for the church. You should want to die for your wife, but you want to live for your wife, we're saying now. You live for her. You want your home and marriage to be joyful, exciting, fulfilling, and so forth. You're working together as one to become one. Number three, husband, you're to help her grow spiritually, emotionally, and intellectually. Nourish your wife. Help her develop the talents that she has. You know, so many husbands don't care what their wives get into. Oh, you want to do that? Go ahead. You know, or, no, I don't think you should do that. If your wife has a great talent and she wants to use that some way, you should help her do that. That's part of nourishing her. You should help her grow spiritually in the Lord. Help her overcome her weaknesses. Increase in her faith. You know, this is part of the great weight of responsibility that comes upon us because what does that mean? That means we kind of have to be a little bit out there ahead of her, don't we? And I'm not saying that, you know, husbands have greater faith and wives or anything like that, but when you have this in your mind and this is your responsibility, you've got to be thinking ahead at least about how do we accomplish this? This is my responsibility here. To see that my wife flourishes in every way possible. Maybe you've never thought about that. And then one, husbands, we struggle with this. We're to continually affirm our love for our wives. Cherish her in every way. So I like to say a lot when I do premarital counseling, when we look at this, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. That means the husband is responsible for love in the home. First of all, the husband. We always think of the wife, she's nurturing, you know, the, the, with the kids and all that, which I think a God-given gift. But as far as responsibility for leading in the home, the husband is to be the one showing the love, the love of Christ. And so we're to do that with our wives, in word and in deed. 
The wife needs a regular affirmation of your love, just like we need that from Christ from day to day and week to week to realize that he loves us, why we go to the word, why we assemble again on the first day of the week, to be renewed and then remember Christ did die for us. He gave his life. Sometimes life out there gets tough, it's difficult, it's hard, and we begin to wonder, and we've said this before, is God, is God there? Does he still love us? Does he still know what I'm going through? And things like that. And we need to be reaffirmed and reconfirmed that through the word, through worship, that God does love us. Okay, let's take a look at the wife very briefly. She's to be subject to and respect her husband. She takes the church as being subject to Christ as her model. Again, this isn't simply about authority, but this is about God's design for the way things will work best. The church submits to Christ because he is her head, okay? Now, I'm going to pose this what if, okay? Do we simply submit to Christ because he has authority? All right? Now, you might say yes, and we should. But let me pose this what if. What if he had not died for the church to save us? And we were still without salvation. What if he never told us he loves us? What if he doesn't intercede in our prayers? What if, what if he doesn't bless us on a daily basis? What if he isn't interested in our spiritual well-being? What if the only thing he says is, you need to submit to me because I'm God, I'm Christ? Would you be wanting to submit to him? Probably not. That sounds like the gods of old, you know, the pantheons of the Greeks and Romans. But you see, there's much more to this God than just authority. His authority is based on love, isn't it? God is love, and the reason he gives us the commandments and the directives is because he loves us and he wants us to enjoy life. And so this is... This is what draws us to Christ. He says, and I, when I am lifted up, meaning on the cross, I will draw all men to myself. And then he say that. We see that he is willing to give his life for us. These are the things that attract us to Christ Jesus. And then we willingly submit. Yes, he is Lord. Absolutely. And sometimes it is about, yes, this is what I'm telling you to do. But his love is what draws us in. So for the husband and the wife, we see if the husband is accepting his responsibility as head and truly loving his wife and cherishing her and nourishing her and creating this great atmosphere of love in the home, she'll be willing to submit to his leadership and authority, won't she? You see how it fits together. One plus one equals one. Something not easy to accomplish. There's a lot of work involved in prayer and tears and joy. Yes, excitement, thrills when things work out. Challenges and trying to work out that equation. One plus one equals one. Two different human beings. 
likes and dislikes, okay, just think about it in the food. You bring them together and somebody says, oh, we ought to eat a lot of vegetables, fruit, and salad, you know. And the other one says, no, 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 hamburgers and fried chicken. That's got to be, you know, ribs, barbecued ribs every night. Got to work it out, right? Got to work that out. Recreation. I like to go fishing. I like to go camping. I like to be outdoors. No, I, I, I like movies and reading novels, you know, and just kind of staying home. Got to work it out. One plus one equals one. Different views on these things. Home decor. How do you decorate the home? Daily schedules, how to do the laundry, how to do the dishes, all these things. And then there's different views on life and purposes, faith, goals. What's this, what, what kind of a family are we going to be? How much is Christ is going to be involved in our day-to-day -day lives? All these things. Again, the husband is to be leading and the wife following and working together to set these things. But not just two different human beings, but we have a male and a female, okay? And no matter what you might have read, science continually affirms we have differences here. Differences in thinking, psychological makeup, and so forth. God made us different, males and females. So we put all that in the mix, and we have... Trouble in the making? Problems? One of the greatest tests and challenges of life, two to become one. The differences must be mutually faced, worked on, resolved, and it's always a work in progress. It's always a work in progress. Something always comes up, and you've know, got to deal with it. You've got to work with it, but you grow and you learn. And this is one... Uh, one reason I believe, as you've probably heard, is people have been together for 30, 40 years and so forth. You've probably heard the expression, maybe you've said it yourself or, or even observed it. They begin to sound like one another. Did you ever hear that? They begin to talk like one another. That's because they are becoming one. They've learned what makes them tick together. You see, they don't have so many disagreements anymore, so many uh, problems that they, they're on the same page and they've learned to make these adjustments. One of the key things to all of this is communication. You got to be willing to talk. You got to be willing to ask questions. You got to be willing to sit down and cross the table on your sofa, wherever that might be, and say, you know, this and that. I didn't like that. Why'd you do that? And just, just talk, work it out, communicate. And again, husbands, you're to be the lead in this. When there's problems develop. If you really love your wife, you don't want it to go get out of hand. 
you're the one that's going to say, hey, something's going on. We've got to talk about this. How can we resolve it? It's a great responsibility for the husband, and you're the head, and we have to, we have to step up and love our wives as Christ loved the church. All right, I got a couple thoughts here before we wrap up. Differences in husbands and wives. Uh, you may have heard some of these. You might experience, have experienced some of these. And uh, maybe not. I got men believe and women believe here, and then we'll talk a little bit about communication. Men believe that when the game starts, Everything else in the world comes to a screeching halt. You know, that's it. Men also believe this, that somehow in the night, dirty clothes come to life and slither their way into the clothes basket. They just do this all by themselves. Okay? That's what men believe. I hear some laughing. Men also believe this, that simply to show up is enough. I'm here, so everything's good, you know. The little things don't matter. I'm here, okay? And I, I've used this one before, but some of you haven't heard it, about the couple was at the uh, marriage retreat, and the presenter was saying to the husband, you know, you need to, you know, know about your wife and, give her little things and so forth. He says, I'll bet, I'll bet some of you husbands don't even know what your wife's favorite flower is. And the one poor husband thought for a minute and turned to his wife and he says, I know, it's Pillsbury. <laughs> I think he was in for a bad retreat. <laughs> so those are some of the things men believe. But women believe Neat and clean isn't good enough. It all ha also has to look pretty. You know, man, we just put it on a shelf, stuff it under the sofa, everything looks good. Well, that's not good enough for the wife. How about this one? The kitchen belongs to her. And even if you're just getting a cup of coffee, you're somehow trespassing. And then, of course, uh, Shirley and I talked this one over. It's always the man's fault. <laughs> yeah, it's always the man's fault. But women believe that her, men should make, her man should make her feel special at all times. Now, I got this little thing. This is actually out of a movie from several years ago. Men, you've probably experienced this one, Okay. So don't feel bad, because we've all been here. We've got the conversation between the wife and the husband, okay? And he's on the sofa. They just finished dinner. She's in the kitchen doing dishes, and he's on the sofa watching a ball game. And she comes in and says, babe, can you help me with the dishes? And he says, sure, just let me finish this inning in the ball game, okay, and I'll come in. And she says, 
Somebody's laughing. Please, honey, just let me do this real quick, and you can get back to your, back to your game. He says, okay, but, but just give me a minute. And she said, if you help me now, it won't take long, and we'll be back, you know, we'll be back together before you know it. Can you please come? He said, yeah, but, but you go ahead and get started, and then I'll just come in when this is done. And she says, okay, forget it. Forget it. And he says, no, I'll be right in, okay? And she says, don't worry about it. He says, no, really, just one minute. And she says, whatever. And then she says, okay. And he says, okay, fine, I'll do the stupid dishes. And then she says, the classic line, no, I don't want you to do the dishes. And he says, but you just said you did. And now here's the one, like Barb always says, wait for it. I don't want you to do the dishes. I want you to want to do the dishes. That's the difference. Husband, it's more important for you to be with your wife to help her get that done than to sit there and do whatever you're doing. We've all been there, okay? It's part of working it out. All right, real quickly, communication. Men believe words have meaning, okay? He's sitting in front of the TV, and she comes in and says, Honey, what's on the TV? And what's his answer? Dust. <laughs> words have meaning. During a short spat, these two, and one of the, the wife says, all right, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Ever have that one? Okay, so he goes in the other room. Two hours later, she comes in and says, why are you ignoring me? <laughs> Words have meaning. Leave me alone. Uh, I mean, this, this is part of what we deal with. Women believe words have implied meaning. Okay? When she says, honey, the trash can is full, she means that needs to be emptied right now. He thinks, thanks for the information. Okay, good, it's full. And here's a classic. We've experienced this. Honey, let's go to Walmart this afternoon. And the man says, okay, you know, I can go in the hardware section, pick up some stuff, and back in the automotive, I pick up some stuff. Okay, yeah, let's, go to, let's go to Walmart. Well, on the way in the car, and suddenly it comes out. And after we go to Walmart, we've got to go to Bed Bath & Beyond. I've got to pick up shampoo. And then I want to go down to the Dollar Tree and get some party supplies. And then I've got to drive over to Old Navy and get a couple tops. We, we've all been there. I can hear that. One plus one equals one. So we laugh a little bit. We've experienced these things. But it's, it's God's design. And it is a test. It is a challenge. But brothers, as husbands, we've got to step up and love our wives. We've got to communicate. Wives, please understand your husband has a great weight of responsibility, but you need to communicate with him as well. 
when you see something, when something's not going right, say, honey, let, let's talk this over, okay? Let's, uh, let's try to communicate so you say what you really mean and I say what I really mean and we can work it out. All right. Well, praise God for marriage and God bless you all who are married and those who are considering it. That we might all be strong to do what the Lord wants us to do in our marriages so that the world, the world can see and glorify God and glorify Christ because he sees, because they see us living the Christian life together. What a great blessing that would be. Well, we saw Christ died for the church. He gave himself for the church. And this has been a lesson about husbands and wives. But as Paul wrote in that Ephesians reading, he said, this is a great mystery. Another mystery. We've seen several mysteries here in the last month. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. You see, that's foundational. His giving his life for the church. His love for us. So understand that God loves you. Christ gave his life for you. He wants you to live eternally. If you're not a member of his body, the church, you can become one this morning, giving your life to Christ, dying with him and being raised again in the waters of baptism. If you're ready to make that decision, we can, we can help you with that. If you are a Christian, you're struggling with anything. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage and you want prayers about that. Maybe just in your walk with the Lord. Special temptations or whatever it might be, we're here to assist you in your journey. Uh, you can come, come forward, raise your hand, or talk to one of us on the way out. But uh, if the Word of God has touched you, please, uh, please don't let it just lay dormant. If we pray, we surrender to the Word and surrender to the Spirit. Brother Jim, would you lead us, please?